invite you to turn with me to our text this Lord's Day from Daniel chapter 5, verses 25 through 31. God willing, we will complete this chapter as we continue our series uh, through the book of Daniel. And this is the writing that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Ufersen. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Pares, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. And that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans slain, and Darius the Median, took the kingdom, being about three score and two years old. We hear a lot about justice uh, today. Social justice, reproductive justice, gender justice, racial justice, economic justice, ecological justice, etc., etc. Dear ones, justice is not defined by whatever agenda people are promoting. It's not just a word to lend credibility to a cause. Justice, dear ones, does not favor one group over another group of people. Justice, in fact, is rendering to a person or to a people what is right. What is right. And what is right is determined not by the opinions of a group or even by the majority of people within a nation, but is determined by Almighty God, our Creator our alone creator. God alone is perfectly and absolutely just. He is the standard of justice. Understand this about God. There is no standard of justice above God. There is no standard of justice to which God himself must pay homage He is himself the standard. God is just. He is absolutely just. He is absolutely right. And he gives to us the standard of his justice in his word. 
in the commandments, the Ten Commandments. That is a summary of God's justice. Is then our duty in all of our relationships, in all the situations and controversies that we face, to apply God's justice in those relationships, situations, and controversies. It is what he determines that is right and just, that we are to apply. Whether in the family, whether in the church, whether in the state, whether at work, whether at school, or even when we are all alone on our phone or on our computers, his justice, God's justice. And because God alone is just, he is absolutely a just judge, a judge. And understand that because God is an absolutely just judge, that's what makes his love that's what makes his mercy, that's what makes his grace so absolutely amazing because he is absolutely just. You see, we don't deserve it because we have failed to keep the standard of his justice. The beauty, the beauty of his mercy and love makes no sense unless it's cast against the absolute justice of God. All sins, dear ones, and transgressions against him and his holy commandments must be judged since he is a just judge. God either has judged Jesus for all your sin, or he will judge you for all of your sin in hell because he's a just judge. Sin, every single sin must receive a just payment according to God's justice. Either by Christ upon the cross or by the sinner, in hell. God's justice demands this. He would not be just, he would not be God if this were not true of him. Well, how do we know that he has judged Jesus for all of our sins? We know because we trust him as our Savior, and as our Lord. We know because we now love him, and we endeavor to walk in his holy commandments. <clears throat> and when we fall, as we all will fall and do fall, we know that Jesus is paid for our sins because we are humbled before him when we fall. We repent, we grieve, we sorrow over our sin. We seek his forgiveness. 
and we walk in love and in new obedience according to his commandments. From our text today, King Belshazzar is brought before God, the just judge, who renders to this king his just judgment. Let us, dear ones today, let us humble ourselves and bow before God, our God. Let us worship this glorious and just judge. Our main points from our text today are these. First of all, God's judgment pronounced upon Babylon. Daniel 5, verses 25 through 28. Second main point, God's reward given to Daniel. Daniel 5, 29. And the third main point, God's judgment falls upon Belshazzar. Daniel 5, verses 30 through 31. So our first main point, God's judgment pronounced upon Babylon. Verses 25 through 28. And this is the writing that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Ufarsin. And this is the interpretation of the thing. Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Pares, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. By way of review in this chapter, the kings of Babylon looked upon themselves as the supreme judge in all matters pertaining to the kingdom and pertaining to those who were citizens and subjects within the kingdom. The kings of Babylon were the supreme judge, supreme authority, to whom all were to bow and to give account. Well, Nebuchadnezzar learned, as we have already seen, the hard way. That is God that rules over all. He rules over not only all people, he rules over all rulers, he rules over all kingdoms. God is the supreme judge, not Nebuchadnezzar, not Belshazzar. And he, God, will judge all people, even kings, according to his righteous laws. Earlier in Daniel chapter 5, God, you recall, had interrupted this drunken party of Belshazzar who had profaned and who had blasphemed the holy name of God by bringing forth the, the sacred vessels that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem and then had, uh, uh, in addition to that kind of sacrilege, then uh, in defiance of that one true living God, uh, worshipped the gods of Babylon. And God, again, interrupted that party uh, by way of a supernatural uh, hand 
appearing and writing upon the wall certain message. The wise men of Babylon uh, were called, summoned to come and to read uh, the writing upon the wall and to interpret it, but they could not do so. Then the queen mother appears in the banquet hall and counseled uh, Belshazzar uh, to call for and send for Daniel, uh, who uh, was endowed with the gift of, of wisdom and gift of understanding and knowledge to be able to interpret and understand things that were beyond men's comprehension, ordinary men's comprehension, because he was endowed by the Lord with the spirit of the Holy God. She likewise mentions to Belshazzar that this same Daniel had interpreted the dreams that Nebuchadnezzar had had before, even though, again, the wise men of Babylon could not in, interpret them. Uh, Daniel, by God's uh, knowledge and gift, was able to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. So Daniel was then summoned uh, before Belshazzar, and he proceeded as uh, God's prosecutor to present the case uh, against Belshazzar, who had not learned apparently anything from the lessons that God taught his father or his grandfather, his biological uh, grandfather most likely, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel then charged Belshazzar with proudly profaning and blaspheming Almighty God. And now, before, now we have the case having been presented against Belshazzar, now we have the judgment rendered against Babylon and against Belshazzar in the verses before us. The judgment of God against Belshazzar is contained in just four words. Four words. Mane, Mane, Tekel, Ufersin. Those are the four words that Daniel speaks forth unto Belshazzar. Daniel first here translates the mysterious script that no one else could, could understand. He translates it into the Babylonian language, which is a, a form of Aramaic. It was the form of language spoken in Babylon at that time. So he takes the script, which was not in Aramaic, whatever script it was, it was not something that the wise men of Babylon were familiar with, and he takes that script, those four words, and he translates them into Aramaic. And the, again, Aramaic words, mane, mane, tekel, ufersin.
even if the wise men of Babylon uh, had been able to read and to translate these four words in this mysterious script, they would still not have known the interpretation of the full meaning of these four words as pertaining to the judgment that God was to bring upon Babylon and upon Belshazzar. All that the, if they understood what the words were, this is all that they would understand. Mane, numbered, which is, again, that's the translation of the word mane, uh, numbered. Tekel, weighed, weighed. Upharsin, and broken, or divided in two. So, basically, even if they had been able to translate the words, all that they would have understood from the words was numbered, numbered, weighed and broken or divided in two. They would not have had the interpretation, but they did not even, they were not even able, the wise men were not even able to translate, let alone interpret the words. Daniel is given, by way of this supernatural gift from God, he's given the ability to translate them into the Aramaic tongue of Babylon and also able to interpret what these four words meant by way of God's judgment that was to be brought upon Babylon and upon Belshazzar. So let's consider each of these words very briefly here. First of all, in verse 26, this is the interpretation of the thing Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. This word, uh, mene, is repeated, mene, mene, as uh, an emphatic certainty. In other words, when the Bible, in the Bible, things are repeated, for example, Jesus says, verily, verily, that's like underscoring something. That's like saying, this is, this is something uh, that is being emphasized. It's like highlighting what is about to follow. So, mane, mane, it's, again, it's uh, emphasizing uh, that which will surely come to pass. The days of the Babylonian Empire, uh, God is saying, and Daniel interprets this, the days of the Babylonian Empire are numbered and determined to come to an end, which implies that Belshazzar days are also numbered and determined to come to an end as well. It's not only Babylon whose days are numbered as a nation. All nations, all kingdoms have a lifespan that has been determined by the Lord. In Acts 17, verses 26 through 27, the Apostle Paul says, And hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, 
and hath determined the times before appointed and bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord. So God has determined the boundaries and the length of time for all nations. And does give them time to repent, nations to repent, to turn to him. As in the case here of Babylon, Babylon did not do so. Uh, will this country, will the United States do so? Will it turn? Because it also has a lifespan that has been determined by the Lord. Probably not something that we cherish to think about in as much as we live here. But again, it is the truth of God. Every nation has a lifespan that God has determined. The life of a nation that covenants to be God's nation, to be God's people, will have its life extended. In Proverbs 14, 34, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And doesn't simply write upon its money or currency or put up in conspicuous, conspicuous places in God we trust. Which God? Because again, this nation worships many gods. So in which God do we trust? And again, it just becomes uh, more than anything simply a slogan. So likewise, just as God has appointed the lifespan of a nation, God has likewise appointed a lifespan so that the days of individuals are likewise numbered by the Lord. For example, in Job 14.5, seeing his days, that is man's days, are determined, the number of his months are with thee, that is with God, thou is appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Our days are numbered. Not only were Belshazzar's days numbered, all of our days are numbered by God. And that's why David, or actually Moses in Psalm 90, says, so teach us to number our days. That is, how few our days are upon the earth. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Not unto foolishness, but unto wisdom. Because our days are numbered. The Apostle Paul, likewise, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 16, says, See then that you walk circumspectly, that is, diligently and carefully, not as fools, but as wise, <clears throat> redeeming the time, not wasting the time, but redeeming it, buying, as it were, buying that time to be spent wisely. Because the days are evil, Paul says. Time is a precious commodity. 
that God gives to us. But time here upon the earth will come to an end. We are encouraged even by what we read here of Belshazzar and concerning Babylon. Not only that his days and that kingdom's days were numbered, but this nation's days are numbered and we ourselves individually, our days are numbered. Let us be wise. Let us live for the Lord. I don't want to spend my last day on earth trying to catch up on all the days and relationships that I have wasted. That's not how I want to spend my last day. I want to spend my last day ready, prepared, and looking forward to enter in into the glory that Jesus has prepared for me through Jesus, through Jesus Christ. Let us now, dear ones, let us now then begin to buy back those wasted days and relationships by our love and obedience to Christ and our love and service to one another. Let us buy back those days. Don't wait. Don't wait to make things right with God. You may not have time or the inclination to do so if you do not do so now. Buy back those days. The second word, or mane, mane, the second actual word, there were two words uh, uh, that was repeated, mane, mane, but the next word is tekel, which uh, again in the Aramaic language means weighed in verse 27. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and are found wanting. Here the Lord is saying, Belshazzar had been weighed in the balance or the scale. A balance was a scale of God's justice and was found to be a profane and blaspheming idolater who had rebelled against the light that God had given unto him. Yes, even Belshazzar had certain light given to him, the light of, revel, the light of nature uh, by way of God's creation, but also even had more special light through Daniel and Daniel's service to his father or his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, in interpreting those dreams. Belshazzar knew about that. Belshazzar knew how God had humbled Nebuchadnezzar. How God had taken from Nebuchadnezzar uh, a heart of a man, a mind of a man, and given to him the mind of a beast. He knew that. He knew the glory, the might, the power, the righteousness of this one true living God. And yet he had rejected that light. He refused that light. And because he refused that light, he was given over to wallow in darkness. And that's what happens whenever, whenever we refuse the light that God gives to us. Whenever we rebel against the light God gives to us, God 
judicially gives us over to the darkness that we seek, that we want. In 1 Samuel 2, 3, we read that the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. By him, by God, actions are weighed in his scale. Now, the fact that actions are weighed by the Lord is a terror to the unbeliever. It terrifies the unbeliever. But to the one who is trusting alone in Jesus Christ, the fact that God weighs our actions is an encouragement to the believer who wants to be known by the Lord, who wants to be seen by the Lord in all that he or she does. In fact, to know that we, our actions are weighed by the Lord, our thoughts are weighed by the Lord, our words are weighed by the Lord, our actions are weighed by the Lord, is one of the greatest incentives to our sanctification and our growth in Jesus Christ. When we know that God knows all, he weighs all, that we can't hide anything from him. So why do we play games then with God? We can't play games and win against God. He knows all. And so again, this is a motivation and an incentive to the believer, as I said, a terror to the unbeliever who does not want to be seen by God, who wants to live in that darkness, not in the light. The truth of the matter, dear ones, is that all of us have been weighed in the scale of God's perfect justice and have been found to be lacking, have been found to be transgressors against his holy commandments, all of us. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all been weighed and found to be transgressors. We are all, by nature, exactly like Belshazzar. We are all Belshazzars by nature. We love our darkness. We love our darkness and we hate the light of God's truth and righteousness by nature, by that sinful nature within us. Lord Jesus says in John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. It's a glorious evidence of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ that we want our deeds 
our whole life to be exposed by God's light so that we do not continue to walk in disobedience to his holy will. You see, that indicates a changed heart. When we want to walk in his light, when we do not run from his light, but we say and we pray, Lord, ever show me the light of thy truth and thy righteousness. Expose in me every way that is contrary to thy will, that I might confess it, that I might repent of it, that by thy grace I might mortify and put it to death through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The only one whose righteousness perfectly fulfills and meets the righteousness that God's justice demands is the righteousness and obedience of Jesus Christ. To stand before God in our own righteousness and our own obedience is again to stand condemned before God. However, to stand before God in Christ's righteousness and in Christ's obedience is to stand justified, declared righteous before God. And then the next word in verse 28, parase, which means broken or divided in two. Parase, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. This is <clears throat> a different form <clears throat> of the same word that occurred in Daniel 5.25, who fair seen, in, that's in verse 25, this is uh, the same word, but simply a different form, parase, in the Aramaic language. This form, parase, in verse 28, is without the conjunction and, so in uphersing, that u at the very beginning is the conjunction and, so that's been dropped here uh, in parase, and uphersin is in the plural, this is in the singular, parase. The Babylonian kingdom was about here to be broken and divided into two parts among the Medes and the Persians who were already, even as this is going on, who were already at the gates of the city and likely making their way into the city by passing under the walls of the city through that uh, uh, canal Remember, a canal that had once been filled with the Euphrates River had been diverted away from the city so that, again, the Medes and the Persians were able to come beneath the wall. And then, uh, even beyond the wall, there was the mighty gate, the mighty gate into the city. Mysteriously, that gate had been left opened. 
for them to enter into at that time. So again, it's recorded by historians at the time, the Greek historian Xenophon and other historians record likewise uh, these events that occurred. And in fact, in Isaiah 45.1, we actually find it predicted by the Lord God. 150 years before the event, God identifies the ruler, Cyrus, the king of the Medes and the Persians, uh, who would walk through into, the, into Babylon through these huge gates of Babylon. Isaiah 45.1 Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. Was fulfilled. It's even confirmed by, as I said, secular historians. God knew, God uh, had planned this uh, from all eternity. And uh, it is prophesied even 150 years earlier that this would happen. You see, there was fulfilled prophecy, which is throughout Scripture. This is only one instance in Isaiah 45.1 of fulfilled prophecy. But fulfilled prophecy demonstrates that Scripture is God's inspired word. It demonstrates that this is, the Scripture is faithful and is true. Because if God can declare the future, that if he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning and he declares what is going to happen which he has done as I said throughout scripture in the Old Testament and in the New Testament the number of prophecies that were fulfilled uh, simply related to the first coming of Jesus Christ scores of prophecies concerning Jesus Christ and many many others that we see in scripture tells us that God is the ruler of history. He's the determiner of history. If he predicts and prophesies and gives prophecy through his prophets, he controls history. What, is that, what impact should that have upon us? Well, we should trust what we read, not only the prophetic sections that have been fulfilled in history, but we should believe we should receive everything in God's word. God does that in order that we might have confidence that when we read his word, we're not simply picking up a book like any other book that we might read. This is God speaking in his word. And so he encourages us, he comforts us through fulfilled prophecy. And he also comforts us that we need not fear, we need not panic about tomorrow because he holds tomorrow because he is the one who has predicted he is the one who has foretold what tomorrow holds therefore we need not run around in a panic 
doesn't mean we don't prepare. doesn't mean that, that we see certain warning signs and things that concern us that we uh, don't pr make preparations, but it means that we don't put our confidence in any preparation. We put our confidence in the living God who holds the future, who holds the past, who holds the present. God wrote supernaturally on the wall a message of judgment, and he clearly delivered that judgment through his prophet, Daniel. What change? What change do we see in Belshazzar after hearing this message of judgment? None. Absolutely none. There was no change. There was no repentance. There was no seeking God's forgiveness. Let's be careful, therefore. Let God's providential warnings in our life, his, which are his wake-up calls to us, lead us to repentance not to stubbornness, not to toleration of evil, not living in that which is contrary to his will because he has not brought upon us his final judgment. God's patience, dear ones, ended soon after the judgment was given to Belshazzar. God's judgment fell very quickly upon Belshazzar and upon Babylon. The second main point, very briefly in verse 29, then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold upon his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. This is uh, very interesting, is it not? Belshazzar promoted Daniel, even though, again, you recall from the sermon last week, he said that he would do so. But this is the very Daniel who served the God that Belshazzar had mocked, blasphemed, profaned. And yet now he is exalting, he is promoting, he's advancing Daniel to being third in command after Belshazzar's father, Nabonidus, and then Belshazzar, who was the crown prince, and then Daniel, third in command of the Babylonian uh, kingdom. And I would suggest uh, to you that that even though Daniel had just read, as it were, uh, Belshazzar's doom, uh, that God moved Belshazzar in this instance to promote Daniel just before Cyrus takes over that very night, takes over Babylon. And the troops enter into the city and conquer Babylon in order that Daniel might be in place. Nabonidus 
was not anywhere near uh, Babylon, apparently. Belshazzar is slain. Who's in command? Daniel. And Cyrus hears, no doubt from Daniel, the prophecy that I have already read in Isaiah 45.1 concerning Cyrus and the open gates which again puts Daniel into a very favorable position to serve Cyrus and to serve succeeding kings in Persia. I want you also to realize that this was not ultimately Belshazzar's reward to Daniel, for as I said, he hated Daniel's God. But this was actually, ultimately, God's gracious reward to Daniel for Daniel's faithfulness to God as God's prosecutor against a profaning and blaspheming king. Even though that king could have slain Daniel for this message of doom that had been uh, given to him, could have slain him right on the spot, and no one would have questioned anything that Belshazzar did, because that's the kind of authority that the king of Babylon had. And so here, he is promoted, Daniel is promoted, and again, I submit to you that that is by way of God's reward, We've seen, again, God's judgment upon Belshazzar, but also notice God's reward upon Daniel. God's reward is not given to Daniel as that which is due, which is due to Daniel, as if God were had to fulfill some obligation uh, to Daniel. God owes no man anything because no man perfectly obeys God. And so God is not obligated to give anything to Daniel. He freely chooses to reward Daniel out of his own good pleasure as a free gift, which brings glory not to Daniel, but ultimately brings glory to God. You know, this is what we will do as is indicated in Revelation 4, verses 10 through 11. There, the 24 elders in that chapter, which represent the church of the Old Testament, the church of the New Testament, 12 and 12, the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles, the 24 elders representing the church of Jesus Christ. This is what they do in Revelation 4, verses 10 through 11. The four and 20 elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. Notice. And cast their crowns before the throne. Their crowns. The rewards that God has given to them. Where do they, where do they put them? Do they wear them for all eternity or do they cast them? They cast them down before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. 
And so that action on the part of the 24 elders in taking the reward, the crown, and casting it at the feet of the Lord God indicates, again, who truly receives and deserves glory. Not us, but him, but him. And so understand, God works within us both to will and to do his good pleasure, according to Philippians 2.13. It's God working within us that we want and desire and do God's good pleasure through his working within us. And yet, God rewards us for doing so. God rewards us, both earthly rewards and heavenly rewards. And so again, all glory belongs to God, not to ourselves. The third main point, God's judgment falls upon Belshazzar in verses 30 and 31. And that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain. Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. So that very night, before morning dawned, God's judgment fell upon Belshazzar, fell upon the kingdom of Babylon. And the kingdom of Babylon was received, given to Darius the Mede. Uh, A lot of Controversy surrounds uh, Darius the Mede. He's not spoken of uh, in various historical writings. And so um, people, biblical scholars, have uh, desired to know who who is this uh, Darius the Mede. Well, again, there's not absolute certainty, but I think that this... um, lends itself to a great deal of credibility that uh, uh, this Darius the Mede was likely a subordinate ruler under Cyrus, who was the emperor. Uh, Xenophon, the Greek historian, doesn't refer to him as Darius the Mede, but he does refer to a man by the name of uh, Gorbiris, Gorbiris, uh, to whom Cyrus gave rule over the Babylonian kingdom. It was very often the case that, that um, those uh, ancient peoples and even rulers had more than one name that they went by. And so again, uh, this uh, Darius the Mede may have been, according to the historian uh, Xenophon, Gobirus, uh, When God declared through Daniel that Belshazzar's days were numbered, Belshazzar likely had no idea that that would be that evening. He didn't have any idea necessarily how soon that would be. Nebuchadnezzar had a year to repent before his that insanity was brought upon Nebuchadnezzar. Belshazzar only had minutes, or at the most hours, in order to repent. 
before God's judgment fell upon him. Dear ones, our days are numbered by the Lord and none of us knows how soon, how soon those days will come to an end for any of us. Belshazzar trembled before God when the handwriting on the wall occurred, but he did not flee to the Lord God for mercy, for God's mercy. Therefore, he fell under the mighty judgment of God. And we're reminded by Paul in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. You see, dear ones, just as certain as death will come to us all, even so, we will all appear before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Romans 14.10, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we will either, dear ones, we will either appear before Jesus in our own righteousness and receive the blessings of eternal glory in heaven, We'll, or we'll receive and stand before him in our own righteousness and suffer his eternal judgment. For all our righteousness is as filthy rags. This, dear ones, is the most glorious rags to riches story that has ever been told. And it's entirely from beginning to end due to the love, the mercy, and the grace of God, not due to us at all. Let us not be those, dear, dear ones, that speak, merely speak of the mercy of God, but not speak of the justice of God. That's not biblical Christianity. I want you to understand there is no mercy of God if there is no justice of God. For there is no reason for God to be merciful unless he's just. It is God's mercy and grace that God freely showers upon us who deserve his justice. God has highly exalted his mercy and his grace to sinners because he is a God of justice. And God's perfect justice and his free mercy have kissed one another at the cross of Jesus Christ. God's justice was fully satisfied in punishing his only begotten son for the sins of his people in order that that his mercy, his grace, and his love might be freely and abundantly poured out upon us. Let God's absolute justice drive you today to the love, the mercy, and the grace of Jesus Christ. Let us stand as God's people in prayer.
Our Father in heaven, we can only stand before thee and be just in thy sight through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not through our own righteousness. We confess, Lord, that we are, we are a Belshazzar by nature. And Lord, apart from thy mercy and grace, we will, we will follow in the path of Belshazzar to profane and blaspheme thy holy name. But by the work of thy grace and coming unto us and giving to us faith and trust in Christ, giving to us a new heart, Lord, we have been changed and, and uh, Lord, uh, through faith, we are now clothed in the glorious righteousness of Christ. And it is our desire to live for thee, to walk in faithfulness and obedience to thee. Hear our prayers, Lord, today as we call upon thee. May we not wait uh, Lord, um, till it's too late. May we not wait, Lord, uh, t uh, in order to make things right with thee and with others, but Lord, help us, grant to us, Lord, that we would finish all of that business that, Lord, we need to finish so that we do not spend our last day trying to take care of all the days and relationships that we've wasted. Hear our prayers, Lord, as we call upon thee through Christ our Savior. Amen.